Welcome to the Healing Trauma and CPTSD podcast. I'm your host, Monique Coven. I'm a certified trauma recovery and resilience coach, and this podcast is all about hope and recovery. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to the podcast. I am super excited to be sharing this episode with you. This is my conversation that I had with Deb Dana about the polyvagal theory and how it relates to trauma. Now, Deb Dana is a clinician and a consultant specializing in working with complex trauma, and she is the author of the polyvagal theory in therapy, Engaging the Rhythm of Regulation. I really hope you enjoy this conversation as much as I enjoyed having it with Deb. Hi, Deb. Hi, Monique. How are you? I'm good. Very well. How are you? I'm good. It's, 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 technology has been a little challenging for me, so I'm coming back into a little bit of autonomic regulation here. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, thank you so much for, uh, for being a guest on the podcast. I'm really honored. I'm happy to be here. Great, great. So, um, you know, the, the, the reason why I have this podcast is really to help trauma survivors, you know, get more of a clear understanding of, you know, their experience with trauma and, um, you know, how it makes sense. And I was hoping that you could help us understand more about the polyvagal theory. Not everybody, I mean, a lot of people do, but not everybody understands what it is and how that can help them in their understanding of trauma and their experience of it. So maybe you could start by um, helping us understand, you know, why it's helpful and what is the polyvagal theory? Okay. So two big questions to dive into. (laughs) So, so why, first of all, why it's helpful is because really understanding our biology is, is important. Um, Our biology gets shaped by, Um, our experiences. And for those of us who are trauma survivors, our biology has been shaped towards um, protection rather than um, the safety of connection um, in many ways. And so rather than um, trying to figure it out using our wonderful brains, um, polyvagal theory helps us go to our body through our autonomic nervous system and begin to make the changes there so that the brain can then um, feel um, a different energy coming from the nervous system, coming from the body and make up um, a new story that matches the new state. Because in, in reality, that's what happens. We, we like to think our brains are running the show or making up the stories or or creating our um, experience. And they, are however they are using the information that comes from the body and as they get that information as the brain gets that information it then makes up a story to make sense of um, how that information is is being um, received so um, I guess that's the why it's important is because when we change our nervous system state um, the brain then comes along and creates a new story to match that new state. And what we're really wanting is to navigate the world through stories of safety rather than stories of survival. So 
that would be sort of a glimpse at the why. And now let's go to the, the, the what, what is polyvagal mm-hmm. theory. And polyvagal theory is a, a wonderful theory of the autonomic nervous system that was developed um, by Stephen Porges, um probably, oh, you know, over 25 years ago. And it has recently in the last, you know, decade really made its way into more common um, awareness, understanding and into therapist offices. And so it's a, it's a great way to, um, for therapists to work with clients, for therapists to understand their own systems. What I love about it is that as I teach my clients about their nervous system, they get to become active operators of their own system. And that really for me is, is why polyvagal is so um, helpful because it, it's not this magical, mysterious thing that happens in therapy. It's, it's a nuts and bolts of here's how you can um, come back to regulation, how you can resolve some of your um, dysregulated trauma responses and use this in your daily living. So polyvagal theory has three basic principles. Um, And since it's a theory of the autonomic nervous system, let's start there by saying the autonomic nervous system is the part of your biology that sort of works in the background and runs all of your, your breath, your heart rate, your digestion, your, you know, brings energy for, for movement, all of those things that just happen automatically. Mm-hmm. Um, and it also is um, a system that we can interact with um, mindfully. So it, it's that both end of working in the background, thank goodness, so I don't have to think about my heart rate every moment. And I can also engage with my nervous systems and shape it in new ways. So understanding that this is our biology at work, polyvagal theory shows us these three principles that are um, being used by the nervous system to guide our days. Um, And the first that we might talk about is this process called neuroception. Um, Neuroception is a word that Steve um, created to show how the nervous system is taking in information. And I love, I actually love that, that word because neuroception sounds like this nervous system experience and it's not perception because perception is, is a brain activity. And so this is a, a nervous system activity. So neuroception, um, and neuroception through these processes going on in the background all the time is taking in information in what I like to simply say is inside, outside, and between. And so the inside is your nervous system is listening inside your body to what's happening in your organs, in your, in your limbs, in your viscera. So, you know, you might take a moment, just a moment now and, and listen inside and hear what your neuroception is, is, um, is hearing and what it's telling you. Is it, you know, it's for me, it's early in the morning and it, it, you know, if if I listen inside, I have a neuroception of safety. It feels very calm and at ease because, you know, it's been a nice morning so far. I had my lovely coffee, I watched, Mm -hmm. watched the sun in the yard. So my inside, my body is feeling regulated and, and at ease. So that's inside. And then outside, your nervous system is also listening 
outside into the space you're in. So your, your environment that you're, you're sitting in right now. And then it listens out further into the environment outside that space into your, you know, your, your, um, your home or your office into your neighborhood, your community, and then out into society. So, so the outside you can see it is this layer of, of listening. Um, and in this time of the um, pandemic, as our neuroception listens outside into that large societal place, um, it may take in a lot of cues of danger. Mm-hmm. It, may, it may be feeling that, and then it's going to um, activate a, a response in, in, your, in your biology. So we try to bring neuroception back in a bit um, in, in moments so that we might be in a space in your home or in your office that feels safe brings a neuroception or safety. So we're not always out in that way out there in the global um, neuroception or even in our um, state or, or town neuroception. So then the third place is between. So we've done inside, outside, and now we're in between. And between is listening between people. So nervous system to nervous system. So, and, and you know, at this moment, um, your nervous system and my nervous system are attempting to find a way to come into connection, right? Right. And for us, it's through voice because we have no video. It's, mm-hmm. it's simply through this voice and language and, and you know, feeling the, the rhythm of our of our time together. Um, if you're sheltering at home with someone, your nervous systems are in this constant communication. If you're um, doing video communication with someone, your nervous systems are in communication. This communication between nervous systems happens micro moment to micro moments. And mm-hmm. so all of this way of having neuroception is happening in the background and unless we bring mindful awareness to it, we can't do anything with it. It simply shapes our days and it simply moves us in directions. So I'm going to stop there for a minute and, and before we go on to the other two principles and just check in with you and see if that's making sense. Oh, it's making so much sense. It's, um, it's almost, I was thinking that it's almost like our nervous system has its own brain. Um, and it's just, yeah, it makes so much sense. And it makes sense in relation to our traumatic experiences, because yes. it was all about, it was, it was all about what was happening mm-hmm. in our body responding mm-hmm. to all those things. So yes, yeah, yeah. good, good. Yeah. And when you think about, about trauma, again, we, you know, what happens now um, in present day life is that our neuroception may feel a cue that feels familiar in some way. So a little piece of something that feels familiar to a past traumatic experience that it wired in and it will set off the alarms. And so one of the things we want to do is we want to take a moment and, and bring a bit of discernment to the process. So we want to kind of notice, Oh, I'm having an intense response right now. And then the question becomes in this moment, in this place, with this person or these people, is that level of response needed? Mm-hmm. It was needed when it first happened. It may not be needed now. And that's the, that's the reshaping we can begin to do with our nervous system is to really, you know, bring some curiosity to, huh, that, that feels like a very familiar response. Is it needed in this moment? Mm-hmm. 
right? So yes, with, with trauma, the, all of these cues get wired in and then they're just available for the nervous system to, to feel and activate around. All right. So neuroception, let's talk next about um, hierarchy Um, and hierarchy are the predictable pathways that the nervous system has built in um, over the course of evolution. It's how it developed. And we have three predictable pathways. We have dorsal vagal, sympathetic, and ventral vagal. And so let's just list, take them one one at a time and briefly explore them. And if we start um, in ventral vagal, which is um, the place that I really believe our nervous system inherently longs to be and actually knows how to get to, even though um, people with unresolved trauma histories may find it more difficult to get there. Mm-hmm. Your biology knows how to get there. And, and that's the one of the lovely um, takeaways from polyvagal theory is that biology knows how to get there and it's our job to sort of uncover that pathway and then the nervous system will do the rest of the work with us. So, um, and ventral vagal is the newest part of our nervous system, new being, um, 200 million years old, but new. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And, um, it helps us do what we're doing now, be in connection and communication and feel safe enough organized enough to make it through the day or make it through the next five minutes. And um, that's what we're really counting on um, right now for, for ourselves and for the people around us is to be able to anchor in some ventral vagal energy because in ventral, um, we can be curious, we can be kind, we can be self-compassionate, we can have compassion for others. We can, you know, look at the options that are available and not simply act and those yeah. are those are the lovely properties of, of ventral vagal. And then when our nervous system feels challenged or too challenged by something that's going on, maybe one of those familiar cues brings a neuroception of, of danger, the nervous system then sort of automatically takes us to sympathetic mobilization and what we know is fight and flight. And that part of our nervous system is the next... Um, oldest that came on board around 400 million years ago um, and the lovely thing about evolution you know both in the brain and the nervous system is that these systems just kept building on top of each other so we have ventral but we also kept this sympathetic fight and flight response mm-hmm. and in sympathetic um, everybody is now um, the, the world is is an unsafe place for me and whereas in ventral i want to be in connection with other people in sympathetic you're all against me it's that flavor of me against the world mm-hmm. and so i'm no longer able to be in social engagement and i want to be careful about how we say that because it's not that i don't want to be connected with you it's that my biology has taken me to a different place and i am unable to be in connection so when we're around people whose system has gone to that really mobilized fight or flight, we want to be careful to not judge them as, as um, meaning to be in that state. Okay. It, it's because the nervous system simply acts. It doesn't, it doesn't make moral meaning or assign motivation. We humans do that. Our brains do that, but the nervous system is simply 
um, taking us into the place that it feels is necessary for our survival. So, you know, when someone's in, well, start with yourself, we know when we're in sympathetic fight or flight because we feel this, this, you know, overwhelming flood of energy, can't sit still, speak louder, need to move. Um, You can, it can feel aggressive or it can feel this um, driven need to, to get away um in in the moment we're in now you see this when you watch the news you see people who just are 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 mobilized in anger that's this that's the sympathetic nervous system that is telling them you have to do something in order to escape this and it's coming out in those angry protest demonstrations those sorts of sorts things so if we can look at people and say oh that's a dysregulated nervous system that is in fight or flight then we can begin to um, have some understanding of what's what's going on. If we simply stay with with our brain making a um, making meaning out of what they're doing from a from a moral place, um, it doesn't serve us. So sympathetic is this heightened, driven. There's a drivenness to it. You can feel that. And then if that action in sympathetic doesn't help resolve the situation get us away or um, uh, resolve the situation in some way so that we could come back to that place of ventral safety and connection the nervous system very creatively is going to take us down to dorsal dorsal being the oldest place in our nervous system 500 million years ago and um, this is the place of collapse, shutdown, um, disappearing, numbing out, um, going through the motions without really um, being able to, to be present in the moment. You might even feel it as I talk about it because my, my state begins to change. You can feel the, the energy draining as I talk mm-hmm. about it. Um, and this is a very um, creative place in our nervous system because if we have the sense that we can't, we're trapped, we can't get out. Then the nervous system takes us here where in order to survive, we aren't really here. And, um, you know, in our lives, we feel this as a sense, we go into that place of feeling hopeless um, or despairing or um, simply, you know, not caring, right? Um, but it's, it's a biological state. It's not, it's not a, a psychological decision. It's a biological state that takes us into this place of conserving our energy so everything slows down digestion slows down heart rate slows down breathing slows down you have no energy to move because your nervous system is conserving that energy for the moment when it might be safe to you know poke your head out and and mobilize again Mm -hmm. yeah so that that's the that's the predictable pathways of of that, what we call the hierarchy of the nervous system. So I'll stop there and let's check in and see, is that making sense? Well, totally. And, and I, what I love about this is that it just takes away so much of the, the judgment and the shame that, that people tend to have when there's no understanding that they're not choosing these responses, the, the biology is doing it for them. So I, I yes. really appreciate that about about the body and about understanding this. It changes this whole discussion of trauma and trauma recovery, doesn't it? It really does. It really does because you know, for for so long we've we've tried to work with 
you know, trauma recovery from more of a top-down experience, you know, make, make sense of the story. Um, and what polyvagal theory really shows us is that until you can have enough ventral vagal in your system, you can't make sense of a story because your, your prefrontal cortex, as, as you leave ventral and go to sympathetic or dorsal, your prefrontal cortex does not come along for the ride. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, yeah, what we really want to do is have enough ventral anchoring in the system to then be able to revisit the sympathetic or dorsal experience, but not get hijacked by it. And then it begins to, we begin to see it differently. We can explore it safely. We can um, integrate it in, in new ways. So yeah, it's, it's a lovely way of, of thinking about our own responses because I can have much more you know, self-compassion about you know, whatever's been challenging me. And boy, haven't there been a lot of challenges in our lives recently? Yeah. 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 So, you know, some self-compassion because I can say, wow, my nervous system is just really having a hard time today. It's really sensitive to all of these things. And one, this last little, for me recently, it's been technology. So this last (laughs) little technological glitch has just put me over the edge and <laughs> and for me and again i'm gonna you know you can look at your you know i call it an autonomic profile and your listeners can kind of look into their autonomic profiles you know our home i like to say is in ventral we all have a home in ventral but then we all have a home away from home is what i like to call it we have this other state sympathetic or dorsal that is more familiar to us and that is the place that we have learned over experience yeah. to go to. And so for me, when that last technological glitch comes, my home away from home is dorsal. So I go to this sort of disappearing, um, mm-hmm. giving up um, retreat place. I, I, I like to call it my dorsal vagal rescue, you know. So, <laughs> um, And, you know, for other people, it's a sympathetic mobilizing i'm gonna make this work if it's the last thing i do kind of behavior right yeah Yeah. and it simply is as you entered the world and as you began to find your way through the world in your family of origin and then out into the larger world your nervous system just was shaped to to go more towards one than the other we all go through all three states um in, in nuanced ways every day and then in more intense ways as well. And, you know, you're, you're kind of look and say, where's my home away from home? So when you look mm-hmm. at your system, where's your home away from home? Are you asking me? Yeah. Um, I have to say when I started um, recovery, mm-hmm. it was, it was always in uh, fight and flight. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. Always anxious. It's not that way anymore. Mm. Um, but I do love the way you describe um, our, I mean, I, I use the word home base. Yes. I love when you say like our home base really is that place of ventral safety, but mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. our home away from home. Mm-hmm. So the things we learned mm-hmm. kind of becomes our, I don't even know if I should use default, but uh, learn default that yeah. we can learn to change and come yep. back into ventral. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, it's interesting because, you know, for we, we have a, a state that's in the foreground and, and we like that to be our ventral, you know, running the show. And when ventral vagal is on board and, and alive in our system, 
sympathetic, does its job in the background, regulating heart rhythms and breathing and bringing us the energy needed to, you know, actually move movement and move through our days. And dorsal does its everyday role in the background running our digestion. So sympathetic and dorsal have these beautiful everyday roles that they do as well. They can only do those roles if ventral vagal is overseeing the work in your system. So, um, so yeah, it's, it's, you know, all three have to be in relationship together and what we do, you know, in, in recovery and in, you know, trauma resolution is to learn um, not how to always be in ventral because that's never, um, that's never the, the, um, the goal for anybody. You know, the goal is to know when we're leaving ventral and to be able to flexibly return to ventral. That's it. It's, the problem is not that we get pulled into sympathetic or dorsal. The problem is that we get stuck there. So being able to flexibly come back to ventral using, you know, ways of shaping my system so that, you know, I, I go there less often. I go there less intensely. Um, and, and I stay there for um, less time. That's really the goal. So my que- <clears throat> excuse me, my question then, where does the, in, I mean, in your experience as, um, you know, as a therapist, mm-hmm. where does, you know, all the, uh, the lies and the beliefs and all the cognitive stuff that shaped who we are, where does that come into play? So uh, all of that is, um, it comes from each state. So that, that's a great um, let's try it. Let's try. Let me give you a, a, an example. And then, you know, your listeners can try it on for size. I like to tell people that you have at least three stories available to you in your system in every moment, because you have a story that comes from ventral. You have one that comes from sympathetic and you have one that comes from dorsal. So when we have um, a traumatic experience, um, our nervous system makes sense of it through story, feeds the uh, experience up to the brain, and the brain makes a story. So mm-hmm. if we think about an experience um, and look at that experience through the lens of our three states, we hear the three stories. So we could think of something. I, I always start with people with something really simple, just a little story of a, of a minor irritation. So I'll give you give you an example with my, you know, apparently my technology issues. <laughs> um, so you know, I was trying to um, download a, a YouTube video using a YouTube downloader, and I downloaded the downloader, but then I couldn't. I had no idea where it went. I couldn't find it on my computer to use it. So through sympathetic, the story is one of oh my god you are so stupid you are never going to figure this out you know go ahead do it again do it again do it again right it's that sort of a from dorsal the story is just give it up now you know you're never you're a failure you're never going to be able to do this so just stop and from ventral the story was oh my goodness this is the third one i've tried to download they must be here somewhere in hiding right but it yeah. was but it was sort of a curious like where the heck did they go? <laughs> you know? So the same experience seen through three states gives you a very different story. And that's kind of what we do with, with all of our experiences that, that then become our, our beliefs. Mm-hmm. Because the emergent 
story from Ventral is is one of connection and safety and possibility and curiosity, right? That that's the that's the um, belief system that's at work in Ventral. The belief system and so the cognitive stories that emerge from sympathetic are ones of um, feeling at risk, in danger, unsafe. Um, the world's chaotic. I'm um, disorganized. I can't manage. Those are the the stories there, and the stories and the beliefs from dorsal are ones that you know. I, I'm. I don't even exist in the world. I'm untethered, and the world is not not here for me. So, you know, again, it, it's your state, and that this is really what polyvagal is reminding us. It's your biological state that is driving the cognitions and the beliefs and the stories that you're then living out in your daily, um, daily life. So um, not that story is not important because story is we're meaning making beings, we humans. Mm -hmm. And so story is, is vital. And when we come to ventral, um, the story begins to change. We, we see things differently. We feel things differently. Mm -hmm. The story changes. So, okay. you know, yeah. trauma recovery, if we start with a story and work backwards through the behaviors and the feelings and the thoughts to the state, it's a, it's a hard path to go. If we start on the other end with the state and bring some ventral to the experience, the beliefs, the feelings, the behaviors automatically begin to change because from ventral new feelings behaviors beliefs are supported does that make sense it does it does yeah hmm. so so i'm wondering before we dive into another question and answer here if we can just get to that third organizing principle because yeah it's probably the one we should have started with but i always put it last for some reason and it is co-regulation <clears throat> excuse me the um that <clears throat> excuse me we are wired to be in connection with other um, mammals so with other humans um, for many of us um, who for you for whom humans have been dangerous cats dogs horses, those kinds of mammals are, are where we've been, been able to find some safety and connection. But without co-regulation, um, we really suffer. We suffer both physically and psychologically. And, you know, I want us to just think about the ways that our current state of the world is really impacting our capacity for co-regulation, because we really want to be in the actual presence of another nervous system, right? Mm -hmm. um, you know, you and I are, are doing this distance work, which, you know, feels lovely. I'm feeling it's nice to have this communication back and forth. And if this is all we have, our nervous systems are going to feel um, a loss. They're going to feel a, a need for more. So, you know, co-regulation is incredibly important for a a health for a life of well-being and for a healthy nervous system for trauma survivors co-regulation with another human um, is problematic because we have this longing for connection that's in competition with the drive to survive and if being around a person feels dangerous it's going to activate the drive to survive and not allow us to come into um, the safety of, of a nourishing connection. So that's, that's going on all the time for all of us, but especially 
Um, when we have a trauma history, it just comes up all the time. And so that's where we're really needing to, to do some work. How do we play around with what is a safe co-regulating relationship and how do we begin to, to have enough experiences of that so that we begin to trust it? Yes, that makes so much sense. It's that desire to, you know, the biological drive to connect and then you can feel the brakes on like, yes. this, is, this might not be safe. And again, we remember that neuroception is driving that feeling of unsafety. And then the brain is trying to make some sense of it by, by making up a story. But it really is your nervous system feeling a cue of danger. And when we can, again, bring some awareness to that cue of danger, we can begin to play around with it and say, huh, is, you know, what is it about this person that is a reminder of a cue of danger? And what is it about this person that is different? That might actually be a cue of safety. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. Hmm. And we, and we also want to remember that, you know, biologically through evolution, we are built with what's called a negativity bias and so mm-hmm. doesn't mean we're pessimists. It simply means that we are built to respond more intensely to cues of danger than to equally intense cues of safety, because that's how in our history we survived. We had to be on guard for the cues of danger. And that is yeah. still, again, something we carry in our nervous system. So we have to work hard to look for those moments of, of ventral connection or even those moments in our own um, daily experience when they're, oh, that was a micro moment of feeling safe and okay. I call those glimmers. I was yep. just going to ask you, I can't hear about your glimmers. Yep. So <laughs> we want to look for glimmers and glimmers are those micro moments when the world feels okay, when there was this something that happened, you know, when you look out and you see the sunshine and there's just this moment of, oh, right, that's a glimmer. And those mm-hmm. glimmers um, are only available to us um, when we are looking for them, right? It, because if we're in a survival state, we're not going to pay attention to glimmers. We're not even going to know they happen, even though they're happening all the time. So one of the practices that I love to invite people to do is, is the, you know, notice a glimmer experience. So find, you know, start, when I start off with, with people, I say, can you just look for one glimmer every day? Just one. Right. And pretty soon you're going to find that, oh, there was another or maybe there's another. So, yeah. And and the thing that we want to remember is that because we are social humans wanting co-regulation, you might actually find somebody who you agree to share glimmers with, which can simply be sending a text or um, having a, a brief Skype or a Zoom or some kind of face to face or or even if you're living with someone who you're, you know, think, oh, let's, let's each at the end of the day, share a glimmer. My, my, um, I have family with grandchildren in another state and, you know, kind of often we'll, we'll do that. You know, what's your favorite thing about the day? We're, you know, really saying, when was that moment that you had a glimmer and, and the world felt okay to you, right? I, I really love that because, um, you know, I think of myself, you know, even 10 years ago, I would have described myself as being, no, I, I'm anxious 24 mm-hmm. seven, but this gives you a nice reminder that there are periods that you're not even really paying attention to where you're experiencing, you know, sort of this, uh, this peacefulness or this social engagement. Place. Yes. Yeah. 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 And, and, you know, when, when I work with 
trauma survivors and you know we're in a deep period of perhaps some some real trauma processing you know we also want to remember the nervous system is is very able to multitask and so the nervous system also can hook into those glimmers and can remind you that even in the midst of this you know trauma saturated moment or or time period in 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 your world you also have the capacity to connect to those glimmers so yeah i love that you were saying as 24/7 anxious none of us are right it just doesn't happen that way and it and it doesn't also discount or disregard the fact that yes there's a lot of anxiety or, or trauma that's that's in the system it simply says and because the nervous system is you know in many ways a system of what i like to call both and so it carries both the the um, traumatic stories in our states of dysregulation and the hopefulness and the glimmers in these moments of ventral mm-hmm. yeah so those are the three organizing principles, which kind of gives us a, a sense of, of the what of polyvagal and also helps us understand the, oh, this is why it's so important, because it really takes us out of that blame, shame, self-criticism place into understanding, oh, so this is my biology at work. And by yeah. the way, I can begin to shape my biology in new directions, because that's sort of the 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 magical part of of we humans is that we do get to shape our systems because even though experience has shaped it in the way it is now ongoing experience is reshaping it all the time so then is trauma recovery in your opinion all about reshaping the nervous system well for me because i do look at the world through the lens of polyvagal theory that mm-hmm. is the the foundation of of Mm-hmm. trauma recovery of trauma work is we shape our systems and you know i've worked with with many trauma survivors who you know come with a specific traumatic um, experience that that they want to work on and in the beginning i will say you know i i want us to work with that traumatic experience and help resolve it and i'm wondering if we might just set it over here to the side for a moment and begin to work with helping you learn how to regulate your nervous system and shape some new pathways and then come back to that traumatic experience because we'll have the biological platform to be able to work with it in, in a, in a different way mm-hmm. for men. Yeah. yeah. And for many people I've worked with when they come to a place where they're really able to um, regulate their nervous system and they know the times when, it's more extreme and they need some help with that, but they also have the ability to regulate on their own, lots of skills and resources and practices. Many people will look at me and say, I think I'm done. I think this is good. Right? I don't need to go back and do all that other stuff. And I go, absolutely beautiful. And then some people will say, wow, now I have the foundation so that I can do that other work that I've been wanting to do. Either one is, is, is the right answer because it's the nervous system telling you what is needed. And that's really cool. Very, very, very interesting. Really. It's so fascinating to me. Uh, I'm thinking, is there anything else? Well, before we end, is there anything else you want to share that you think would be important to this? You know, I, I think the, the lovely lens of, the nervous system and through 
polyvagal theory that that we want to begin to remember is is that we're in a conversation with our nervous system all the time and that we want to stay in that conversation that when we stop connecting and communicating with our own nervous system is when we begin to um, lose our anchor and ventral we 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 kind of Mm -hmm. um, aren't aren't paying attention and what we know about the nervous system is if it's beginning to move into a, a dysregulated state um, and you don't pay attention, it's simply going to get louder, right? <laughs> and, mm-hmm. and at some point, it's going to get your attention. But what we want to do is create this relationship where I'm listening to the very beginning of that um, move out of ventral um, so that it doesn't have to yell so loudly at me because when it has to yell loudly, there's an intense survival response happening. And I also need to listen to when I'm in ventral so that I can, you know, really savor that experience. So I can mm-hmm. deepen that experience. So it really is a process of, of listening. And I think one of the things that I add to that is again, because we're in this really um, different time, in our world. And um, I've noticed in my inbox, um, most every day are some very wise teachers offering suggestions um, as to how to navigate this time. There also are some what feel like um, sort of um, quirky people is the way I might put it, offering suggestions <laughs> as to how to navigate <laughs> these days. And for, for any of those, the wise ones or the, or the, the quirky ones, my invitation is for people to take those suggestions and ask your nervous system, does that fit for me? Because what fits for um, someone who is um, in the meditation mindfulness world may not fit for your nervous system. Someone who's in the mm-hmm. breath work world, it may not fit for your nervous system. Someone who, mm-hmm. someone who is inviting you to, to have an online dance party or um, you know, a, a shared dinner with your friends through video, that may not work for your nervous system. And so you really want to, that's the communication to have, your nervous system, not, as soon as I take somebody else's advice without asking my nervous system, I've stopped communicating with with my system and I'm communicating, I'm listening to yours instead. So just really want to invite people to, to do that because what, what works for someone and doesn't work for you, again, from a place of biology, there's no judgment, there's no criticism or, or shame around that. It simply is, oh, my nervous system is saying no thank you to that. In, in this moment, mm-hmm. it might say yes, please tomorrow, but right now it's saying no, thank you. Right. So, no, I like that. I like that because you're listening to your nervous system instead of taking someone's advice that your nervous system might feel threatened by that advice. Like there's no empowerment. In, exactly. They don't want to do that. Exactly. You know? And I love your word of, I love your use of the word empowerment, because I think when we befriend our nervous system and, and, you know, have a relationship with our nervous system. It's an empowering um, experience because then I know where I am. I know if I'm dysregulating and I know I can begin to come back to, to ventral, which, you know, is, is really the, the next level that, you know, we've been talking about how do I get to know my nervous system? And then once I really get to know it and, and can, you know, have a, a real sense moment to moment of where I am, the next step is to build some, some 
autonomic resourcing so that I have ways that work for me um, that help me come, come back to ventral and then help me stay in ventral. So that's like step two. And, and you can take the many suggestions and there are oh, so many free offerings now um, mm-hmm. that are coming by. My suggestion would be to, you know, again, play with them. Don't just do them, but play around with it. You know, do like two minutes of a, of a practice that somebody's suggesting and, and track your nervous system. And I like to say your nervous system is going to say yes, no, or maybe, right? If your nervous system yeah. says yes, then okay, play some more. If your nervous system says no, stop, right? And if your nervous system says maybe, then you might put it on a list to experiment with when you're feeling a bit curious. But, you know, it's, it's almost as if, if your nervous system says no, just stop, right? Yeah. 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 I love that. I had that exact experience uh, with an online group mm-hmm. myself and that, that my nervous system, everybody was doing it. And my nervous system was like, Good. nope. <laughs> and you paid attention, yeah. which is, you know, the yeah. thing we don't pay attention to. And, and as trauma survivors, we're wired to override is when your nervous system says no. Right. It, it, we've mm. become disconnected right. from that or, or we our brain makes up some story about, oh, you know, you should be able to do this or you know, the, the keep powering through, you know, belief that we all have. If I just keep doing this, I'll master it. Nervous system doesn't work that way. You know, um, less is more, slower is faster, and powering through does not work. So, <laughs> you know, but, you know, as, as trauma survivors, we grew up in a system where we were told what we're seeing isn't really happening and what we're feeling isn't right. So right. in mm-hmm. order to reconnect, you know, you have to really listen to your system and be willing to say, no, thank you. Right. You know, you were able to say, oh, this isn't working for me. And, and in some ways, because so much is online nowadays, it may be a bit easier to play around with turning it off, disconnecting, muting, stopping your video, saying no, whatever, because it feels a little safer. We're not, you know, we're not so in the presence of another person. So in some ways it's a great time to play around and experiment with this. Yeah, very much. This was great, Deb. Um, So tell us about how people can find out more about some of the information you share. How can they reach you? Oh, gosh, yeah. So my website is rhythmofregulation.com. And you can find um, lots of um, interviews, podcasts. I'll post this one when you send me the link. Um, There's a beginner's guide that's there to download. There's a lot of resources there. Um, What I'm think I might even recommend for people, my first book, Polyvagal Theory and Therapy, is is um, definitely a, a, a book that helps describe it and has, has the basic maps that I encourage everybody to do. But my second book just was released actually this week. It's called Polyvagal Exercises for Safety and Connection. And it would... Oh, wow. Wonderful. Yeah, and it really was created for um, people to do these exercises between their therapy sessions because they're sort of these ongoing practices. So that might be a place that, that some of your listeners might want to want to investigate too. It's funny. I did an episode way back when I just started reading your book and uh, yeah, it was great. It was all about your book and I, I always recommend oh, yeah. your book. Um, yeah. The yeah, book yeah. Now I'm excited about yeah. your second. Yeah. And great. if anybody's interested in the first book, I'm, 
launching a um, online book study group, which starts in two weeks. It's going to do one chapter a week for 15 weeks. And that's on the website as well. So you can find out about that there. That's really for anybody, not just clinicians, but anybody. I actually found your book was, uh, you know, I recommended yes, to clients. Good. It's, it's, it's really easily understood, like easy to understand. So oh, thank great. you. Oh, well, thank you again for today. And um, it's really appreciated. It's been lovely to be this way together. And um, I hope one of these days we'll actually meet in person. Yeah. Nervous system to nervous system. <laughs> All right. <laughs> All right. Lovely. Take care. Right. Bye-bye. Take care. If you would like to find out more information with regards to my coaching options, you could reach me on my website at www.cbtsdcoach.com. You can visit me on my Facebook and Instagram page at CBTSD Coach. Mm-hmm.